Nokia. It's the name, they know we're winning the game. Houston Astros, man. It's Houston's own chameleon at a mixtape with Sire and the almighty Houston Astros. Come on, let's go. We gon' show You're listening to The Weekly Brew with Austin Staten, Jeremy Paxton, and Hunter Atkins. It's time to sit back, relax, and be informed. Welcome to a bonus episode of the Weekly Brew Podcast, and we're going to talk a little bit of playoff baseball as the Astros are set to start things off Thursday afternoon against the Boston Red Sox at Minute Maid Park with uh, Justin Verlander, who is 5-0 as an Astro, taking on Chris Sale in Game 1 of the American League Division Series. And of course, we spoke a little bit about, uh, you know, the Astros in the playoffs in episode 110, which was released just a few days ago. But uh, we wanted to provide a more in-depth discussion. And that's sort of what we do here on the podcast. We provide these ad hoc episodes, these bonus episodes, if you will, for bigger type games. We did this for the NBA Finals. We did this for the Houston Rockets. And we're doing it now for the Astros and the Red Sox. So we've got uh, two amazing guests joining us here in just a few moments. We're going to start things off with Jake Kaplan, who is the beat reporter for the Houston Chronicle, covers the Astros on a day-to-day basis. He talks with us for about 10 minutes on uh, what we can expect from the Astros, who the key players are in the game, and also some of his expectations. Also, we uh, we have about 15 minutes with Evan Drellick, who is working with NBC Sports Boston, formerly of uh, the Houston Chronicle, actually was the predecessor to Jake Kaplan. So he's going to provide some great insight on the Red Sox, and I think you're going to uh, like his perspective. Also, we're going to close the show out with a a roundtable discussion, and that roundtable includes, of course, Hunter Atkins, Derek Fogle, myself, and uh, Jeremy Paxton even, even offers a few of his thoughts. So I don't want to bore you with a long introduction, but if you want to follow our work uh, through the postseason, we're going to be retweeting a lot of stuff. We're going to be putting a lot of content out there. I'm actually going to be at the games, game one and two, on both Thursday and Friday. You can follow our work by just searching Weekly Brewcast on essentially any social media channel. We're going to post all of the content there, so we hope that you enjoy it. We hope that you enjoy these two interviews with both uh, Jake Kaplan and Evan Drellick, and we hope that you enjoy the roundtable discussion. So without further ado, it's time to sit back, relax, and be informed. You're listening to the Weekly Brew. Now, leading us off on our playoff preview is uh, a guy familiar with the uh, the Weekly Brew listeners, and that's Jake Kaplan, beat reporter for the Houston Chronicle. And and Jake, I, I want to start off with a series. Uh, starting uh, rotations have been set at least for the first two games, with uh, Justin Verlander going in Game One, Dallas Keuchel going in Game Two. Uh, this past week, uh, when you were in Boston, the Astros took three of four from the Red Sox. Uh, what can we take away from what we saw last week in Boston? I don't think we could take away much, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I, I think it probably help will help script the Red Sox roster decisions more than anything else. Um, you know, they got they had a few guys buying for a couple spots in the rotation, and Doug Fister and Eduardo Rodriguez and uh, Drew Drew Pomerantz kind of cemented his spot in the second spot. Um, but you know, in terms of the Astros, I mean, they got a couple looks at David Price. Um, you know, if they do face Rodriguez or Fister, they they got they got a look at each of those guys. Um, but overall, I think it was you know, I mean, the Sunday game was completely meaningless for both sides. So, um, you know, I don't think there will be too much that that is gleaned from that series, to be honest with you. Yeah, and kind of like you know, looking at the first two games, I mean, Chris Sale didn't throw in that series. Verlander didn't throw. Keuchel didn't throw. When you look at this series and that that, that matchup between Verlander and Sale, uh, who do you kind of give the edge to? 
Um, you know, I don't know. Um, I have not seen Chris Sale pitch this year, so it's tough for me to say. Um, he's one of the best pitchers in baseball, as is Justin Verlander, two of the best uh, strikeout pitchers in the last five years, uh, for, in Verlander's case, the last decade. So, um, you know, playoff baseball is, is great in that one pitch can make a huge difference and, and one play can make a huge difference. So uh, it's tough to give anyone the edge uh, in, in that matchup. When you're kind of grading playoff baseball, what are you looking at? Are you looking at starting pitching? Are you looking at depth in the bullpen? Are you looking for guys like Altuve Correa to step up? I mean, what is it when you're evaluating the series in terms of sort of picking that favorite and uh, evaluating your expectations? It's all, all of the above. Um, you know, I think you whichever team has the more better players <laughs> is the favorite. And I think the, I think the Astros have more better players than the, uh, than the Red Sox do. Uh, but that doesn't always mean that they're going to win. Um, you know, I think the Astros are un- undoubtedly the favorites in this series, but um, which is the first time they, this franchise been able, has been able to say that for a playoff series in, in quite some time, but um, that, that doesn't always translate to win. So uh, there's a lot of ran- randomness involved in playoff baseball, which is why, Simply getting there is, is, is the biggest goal, uh, and then once you're there, just putting yourself in the best the best position to advance. Two years ago when the Astros made the playoffs, uh, it, it was a young team. I mean, there wasn't much playoff experience. This year in the offseason, they went out and got Carlos Beltran, who's expected to uh, DH in, in the playoffs, not play much in the outfield. And, of course, you pick up Verlander uh, you know, at the, uh, at, the, at the deadline in August – does that veteran, you know, those veteran additions, you know, also throw in McCann into that picture, do those veterans sort of, I don't know, help give this team more confidence and more experience going against a team like the Red Sox who have been in the playoffs numerous times and have done it, winning World Series, what, three times in the last decade? Yeah, but how many of those players won the World Series teams? I think just Dustin, right. Dustin Pedroia, right? So right. they're pretty young. They, they, they're kind of a different team, too, the Red Sox. So, um, you know, again, I think we talk about veterans and leaders and all that, but I, I think it always comes down to who has the better players and, the, and who plays better. Um, sure, I'm sure having Justin Verlander's experience helps, but having him pitch better is, is the more uh, the bigger factor, uh, pitch better than whoever he's, he's facing. So, um, you know, Carlos Beltran's case, I'm sure he's been helping their – their clubhouse all year. I'm sure he'll continue to do that. I don't think he'll play too much. Um, you know, he'll probably DH against righties, um, maybe not always, but but some of the time, and and be a bench bat for the most part. Uh, so, um, but yeah, I mean, veterans veterans never hurt. That's for sure. And and I think ultimately, um, you know, it's it's a a series but and that will come down to who plays better to me i think the series could come down to the bullpen i mean we look at the astros bullpen i think there are a lot of unknowns you know whether lance mccullers is officially the guy that's going to throw out of the pen uh in in who throws those you know middle innings in case a guy like uh you know morton or peacock can only go four or five innings when you're looking at the astros bullpen uh, what are some of your expectations or what are some things that you would like to see in order for them to sort of get to that next level and be able to uh you know get the ball to Giles in the ninth. I don't think there needs to be an expectation that Giles pitches the ninth. I think in in the playoffs, all bets are off, and you, you don't want to save your best pitchers for the later for for an opportunity that may never come. Um, so I think you know you're going to see Giles, you're going to see Davinsky, you're going to see Musgrove as the top three guys uh, used whenever the situation is is needed, uh, whether that's the fourth inning, the seventh inning, the ninth inning, the fourteenth inning. So. I think we saw that last year with how Terry Francona and, and Dave Roberts and 
some of the other managers use their bullpens. Um, you know, there's, there's no real defined roles. It's just usually the best relievers pitch the, the biggest uh, situations. Guy that I also think could make, you know, the difference in uh, the offensive side of the ball, uh, the game is uh, Carlos Correa, who came back from, uh, you know, the hand injury in early September, kind of struggled the first few weeks out of the gate. But, you know, this past week winning the American League Player of the Week, it looks like he's starting to see the ball a little bit better. How has he sort of adapted to game speed uh, since he's been back from uh, the disabled list? And how do you see him factoring in, in his second uh, playoff experience? Well, he's their second best player behind Jose Altuve, so he's going to definitely play a big role. Uh, he had a, a big postseason in his first time as a 21-year-old with the, the two-home run game. Of course, made the the, the uh, fateful error in, in that same game, game four of the ALDS against the Royals. But um, yeah, I mean, he he's hitting. He hit his stride at the exact opportune time for the Astros. Um, he was unconscious at the plate last week, hitting everything. Um, so, you know, I, I think uh, it just kind of took him a few weeks to get his timing, his rhythm back, as it did in April when he kind of had a similar stretch. Um, but he seems like he's in, in May uh, territory right now, which is when he was the player of the month. Uh, so, you know, he's he's a huge part of what the Astros are going to do this week. Yeah, and if it wasn't for that injury, he could possibly be challenging Altuve for the uh, the MVP in the American League. But if you're kind of looking at the X factors or difference makers uh, in this series against the Red Sox, whether it's you know from the Astros side or the Red Sox side, who is that X factor? Um, I think less a person and more uh, just a, an area is the Astros need to control the running game. Uh, the Red Sox like to run. The Astros were the worst team in baseball at, at, at catching attempted base stealers this season. Um, and that's going to be a weakness the Red Sox attempt to displo- uh, exploit. Um, and, you know, that could end up being a difference. You know, you know, every every out, every every 90 feet is magnified in the postseason. And I think that's going to be, you know, has the potential to be a big factor in the series. How much is that based on, you know, Gaddison McCann, you know, not, you know, having great pop times and, and getting the ball to the second baseman or, or how, how, how much is it, you know, look at the pitchers, not necessarily holding those runners on well? I think it's more the catchers. Uh, there's always some of both, but I think uh, neither catcher has really had any luck, especially McCann uh, or any success this, this year in throwing guys out. I think McCann's cost stealing rate, last time I checked, was around 12 or 13%, and the league average is 26 or 27%. So, um, you know, I think that's the that's the bigger thing than, than anything with the pitchers. I know you're a busy guy and you've got to uh, get here, uh, you know, go cover the series here in just a minute. But if you're making predictions for the series, uh, go ahead and tell our listeners kind of uh, what you see the outcome being. So I hate to make predictions, but I'll do it. Uh, I'll say Astros in four. I think they're the better team. Um, you know, I don't think they're better than Cleveland. Uh, but in terms of this matchup, I think, I think they're the superior team. And, um, you know, I think Verlander, Keuchel's is a, is – you know, they, it could go up 2-0 if they can hit sale a little bit. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll go Astros in four. I think the listeners will appreciate that uh, prediction. But, of course, we've got Jake Kaplan, beat reporter for the uh, the Houston Astros at the Houston Chronicle. And, and, Jake, what kind of coverage are you and the Chronicle going to be providing uh, throughout the ALDS? Uh, wall-to-wall coverage, I guess you could say. Uh, you know, we'll have a bunch of people out at the park every day this week. Uh, and then a few of us are flying to Boston on Saturday morning for – uh, the work out there and, and games three and four Sunday and Monday and then uh, either go to another city from there or, or back here for game five next week. So uh, definitely uh, 
make sure you're reading uh, the, the Chronicle and, and following us on Twitter and, and reading the, the Houston Chronicles website. Absolutely. Check it out at HoustonChronicle.com. And also you can follow Jake at Jake M. Kaplan on Twitter. Uh, Jake, always great to have you on the podcast. And uh, we look forward to your coverage throughout the ALDS. Thanks, Austin. Appreciate you having me on. You're listening to The Weekly Brew. And joining us now on The Weekly Brew is Evan Drellick, who you might remember as the uh, the former beat reporter uh, for the Houston Astros, is now with uh, NBC Sports Boston as the uh, the Red Sox insider. And Evan, uh, first off, welcome back to Houston for the uh, American League uh, Division Series. Is it good to be back? Oh, yeah. I, I, I enjoyed it here. I, I miss the city sometimes. And uh, I, I got to figure out where I'm getting some food, but there's... Uh, there's no shortage of options. It's really it's, like, it's actually one of the major things that uh, Boston lacks in terms of in comparison to Houston is uh, there's just so much more creative food options down here. So I'm probably going to butcher the name, but there's a place called I think Sochi or Exochi or something like that. But it's in the new Marriott Marquis, so I'd highly recommend that. It's uh, near the ballpark actually, so if you get the chance, uh, check that out. But of course, uh, we wanted to bring you in here to kind of dissect the uh, you know the Boston Red Sox, and of course the Astros and Red Sox played last week uh, in Boston. Astros took three out of four, but I don't know that you can really uh, weigh much into that series. Of course, we've got Chris Sale and Justin Verlander going in Game One on Thursday, neither of which pitched. Uh, last week, when you're kind of evaluating that game one, uh, who do you kind of give as, you know, sort of that favorite in that first round game? Because we look at Sale, he's kind of struggled over his last eight outings, but we see Verlander 5-0 and since he's joined the Astros. I mean, who has the edge in game one? Being at home helped the Indians last year. I think it should help the Astros this year. And you know, given two ace pitchers, you know, basically the very best you can get, well, what's the, what would then be the separating factor from there? I, I would look to the offense, right? And I, and I have more faith in uh, the Astros' offense than I do the Red Sox' offense. I, I think what's important for the Red Sox, pe- people keep saying if they don't win game one, they're done. I, I don't really agree with that because I think you saw it even in the wild card game. You know, you can have an ace struggle and you can still win the game, right? Uh, you, your offense can come back for you. But part of the new formula for the Red Sox is David Price in the bullpen, and he's coming off injury. If you can avoid using him in game one, if, if Chris Sale can give you seven innings and keep it close, and then you can go to one of your other late-inning late relievers like Addison Reed or Craig Kimbrell, and, and you have Price still available for game two and, and for a greater length in game two than you would if he pitched in game one, that to me is important. As long as they can stay close and, and you don't want to have to kind of blow through every – uh, you know, kind of pitching force that you have in game one. That that would that would stand. And, you know, kind of on David Price. I mean, of course, he's had the injury issues, but it, to me, the Astros seem to struggle against left-handed pitching. And I, I know that he's, you know, he hasn't come back uh, to the starting rotation, but has, you know, John Farrell considered possibly using him as a starting pitcher during the series, or is he strictly going to be, you know, that Andrew Miller guy out of the bullpen? So they're pretty adamant publicly, and I'm not saying it's different privately, but what they have said is uh, that they're not considering starting him in this series. And there is a feeling that having him in the bullpen gives him greater control over his workload and therefore gives him a better shot to keep him healthy. You know, the, the, the kind of counter-argument there is, well, is pitching on back-to-back days, is that better for the arm than you know throwing 80 pitches every four days, every five days. Um, and, you know, I, I, that's probably player to player, person to person. This is clearly the path that they feel is safest. 
with Price, I guess I feel like it serves a need. I still think that Price would be more valuable in the rotation. I think more innings you get out of a guy like that, the better. The mistake to me was not trying. I, I just don't understand why when he came back they didn't see if they could build him up. And, if he, you know, if he felt a little bit, okay, back off, put him in the pen. You know, and they went straight for the bullpen routine. And, you know, they made their bed at this point. Could, could you start him for 40 pitches? Yeah. But what's that getting you? Know, three innings? Maybe you could push him to four, and, and, and you'd, you'd really be pushing him at that point. Uh, so I, I think the Andrew Miller role is what they would hope. Miller pitched without any sort of restriction, right? It was, you know, whenever, 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 whatever. Um, I don't know if that's going to be the case with Price. You know, we've seen him go back-to-back. He did it as they clinched the, the division at the end of the regular season against the Astros. But, you know, could, could he really go game one and two, game three and four, and then game five? There's reason to be skeptical there. You kind of mentioned a few moments ago that, uh, you know, the Red Sox offense has been inconsistent and you, you almost have to give the Astros the edge when you look at the, uh, you know, the offensive firepower. But what are some concerns or kind of some strengths for the Red Sox heading into the series? I mean, obviously, you look at sale at the, uh, you know, the front end of the rotation and Kimbrell closing things out in high leverage situations. Uh, who are some of the X factors for the Red Sox in this series? It's really up and down the lineup because. Well, number one, you've got Justin Bedroy, who's playing on a bad left knee, and we don't know how much we're going to get out of him. Uh, Eduardo Nunez is trending in the right direction. You know, he ended up being a pretty significant trade deadline pickup for them, I think more than anybody would have expected power-wise. Uh, he, he seems to be trending in the right direction with the right knee injury. So you've got health questions with a couple guys. you got somebody like Hanley Ramirez, who was supposed to fill a void, or not become David Ortiz, but make it hurt less than he left and didn't really live up to that. You know, he still had some power, but it was definitely a down year for him. It was not a great year for Xander Bogart, who has started to look better lately. Ramirez has started to look a little bit better lately. Mookie Betts had a very good year. It was not to the level of his performance last year. And the way this offense is built, could they get a three-run home run? Sure, they could. They're not likely to. They have the fewest home runs in the American League. So, you need more guys going in that lineup than a team like the Astros do, right? You, you, the Astros get shut down for seven innings, and you would have much more confidence that somebody would walk up and hit a three-run bomb than you would with the Red Sox. And it doesn't mean the Red Sox can't do that. It's just not nearly as likely. So it, it's, the X factor is how many guys in that lineup happen to click. Because the offense last postseason, after having the best offense in the majors in the regular season, disappeared in the postseason. It was nowhere to be found. So I think that's the first thing anybody uh, should be looking for is are the Red Sox hitting at all? Yeah, to, to me, it's a little bit odd because I, I think the Red Sox had such high expectations this year, uh, you know, bringing in Chris Sale, hoping that David Price would be healthy. Uh, but it took them until game number 161 to win the American League East this year. And it, it seems from the, you know, the handful of people that I follow from, uh, you know, the Boston area that that Farrell is almost on the hot seat if, you know, the Red Sox cannot get past the Astros in the first round. Is there sort of pressure on this club to get it done this year? Yeah, and, and you could say it's perpetual pressure. You know, with Dombrowski here, it's it's a win-now mindset. They got swept last time. And it is a point of debate right now. What what will Dombrowski do, and what what is the threshold Farrell would have to meet to keep his job? Did be, becoming the first Red Sox manager to win back-to-back AL East titles 
in the first to win three total save his job? Is, is Farrell safe no matter what? Now, he's under contract for next year, but you would expect them not to let him be a lame duck at the very least. Do they need to get out of the first round after being swept a year ago? Do, does, if they get to the LCS, is he safe? So it, it, to understand what Dabrowski's thinking, it, we don't know. He, he spoke very highly. I asked him after, after they clinched the division during the celebration what about the job John did, and uh, Dabrowski said, you know, he's, I don't remember if he said surprised or amazed, but kind of expressed a little bit of um, surprise is the right word, at, at the level of scrutiny that the manager gets in Boston. And, and it, it, it is a sport in Boston to pick apart John Farrell. He, he's someone people love to hate. That's what he's become up there. But, you know, you look at the results, it's, it's a hard thing. They had a, lot of, they had a lot of crap go on this year, right? Dennis Eckersley, the little Baltimore incident with right. uh, Pedroia going, it's not me, it's them, and uh, the, the sign stealing. So they come out and they win the division. Do you give credit for the fact that they got over those events, or do you discredit them for having those events in the first place? And it's a matter of what Dombrowski ends up deciding. I, I, Dombrowski has a bullet to fire here. He has not hired a manager in Boston. I think if, if the Red Sox fall short this year, it would make some sense for him to bring on a new manager, change the tone, kind of change the narrative. Because otherwise, if he, if he gives Conor Farrell an extension, focus goes to Dombrowski. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I thought you kind of wrote an interesting article on Wednesday morning uh, talking about the roster makeup between the Astros and Red Sox and how similar it is. But just talking, uh, you know, the article discussed uh, Dombrowski and also Luno and kind of how their, you know, their mindsets are a little bit different when it comes to, uh, you know, the general manager position and what they do to evaluate talent. Uh, can you tell our listeners a little more about that analysis? Because I think you're in a very unique position that you were here two years ago covering the Astros playoff run, and now you're in Boston. I mean, what have you seen as kind of you know the similarities and differences between between the two franchises? I think people looking at – if you look at the rosters for both teams, you would see just kind of a very bird's-eye view. Well, they got some young, good young players, Mookie Betts, Sandra Bogart, Sandra Benintendi, you know, Carlos Correa, Jose Altuve, et cetera, Springer. Um, and then you've got some free agents and you've got some trades. And it's like, well, isn't that the formula everybody's always used? And, and I was working off a premise and, and kind of my own memory of you know, the way the Astros were describing things. I think people expected, at least, you know, I, I've heard other media members talking about this. I, I don't think it's, it's a sentiment that's unique to me to think that people out there are looking at the Astros like it should have looked different, that when they got good, you didn't expect it to be Brian McCann and Josh Reddick and, and a trade for Justin Verlander. You expected right. it to be all these homegrown guys when that really ends up being a product of how much public focus they put on the farm system in those early years because that's all they were doing. But you know, they did always say they would have to go out and get a few players. Now, I, I, if, if I had to bet, Jeff Luna told me that um, he, he looks at, the roster he has now, and he doesn't feel it feels like it's about what he envisioned for a number of homegrown players. I would bet he envisions a few more. That's just, that's just my guess. But the question really isn't this snapshot in time. It's how is it going to look in five years? Because the, the whole point of the Astros plan is sustainability. You know, some of these guys are going to leave. Altuve is going to leave. Kaiko's going to leave. Uh, you know, maybe they get a deal done, but it would be surprising, right? So do the Astros end up being this more efficient machine pumping out serviceable players and staying in contention than the Red Sox? And even if the Red Sox keep up, it'll be because of the money less likely than it is to be because they operate efficiently. You know, Dabrowski is this 
you have in this series a matchup of the two kind of quintessential polar opposite executives, the, the, the scout-loving 40 years in the game versus the data-driven outsider who was maligned in St. Louis and, and then, you know, took some heat, including from me in Houston. And, uh, you know, even this year, they, they let a bunch of scouts go and they took some heat. So they do things differently. So it's just, it's just kind of an interesting, you know, dichotomy, dichotomy juxtaposition, whatever, of management. And, you know, if I had to pick, I, I would, I think I would take the Astros style, but certainly Dabrowski has a better reputation for handling people and, and uh, kind of having wider input. But, in terms of who I would trust to make the right decision, I think I would probably sooner trust Jeff Luno because of how how driven they are to be objective as possible. And and I, and I don't think those same checks and balances are in place with the Red Sox. Yeah, it's kind of interesting that you mentioned that because I think a lot of people were down on Luno, you know, here at the uh, the trade deadline in July. And then, of course, he goes out, gets Maven, uh, you know, late August, and then two days later turns around and gets Justin Verlander, you know, just a minute before the August 31st deadline uh, took place. But I, I, I guess, you know, one last question for you. When you're looking from an outsider's perspective, a, a guy that's, you know, covered the team two years ago who's now – covering a different team. Were you kind of surprised to see the Astros make that move, you know, despite, you know, having players in the locker room like Dallas Keuchel and Josh Reddick, you know, saying that they were disappointed that uh, the club didn't go out and get that number one ace at the deadline. I mean, were you surprised to see the Astros make that move to get Verlander at the end of August? I mean, I thought it was, you know, a year and a half too late. I thought going into the 2016 season, if they won the division, they needed more, you know, that they should have gone out and gotten somebody. And, you know, this is where you could say I prefer Dombrowski to Aluna because somebody who's a little bit more willing to kind of, I guess, take the risk. And the Astros do operate in a very low-risk way. And, you know, Luno asked him at Fenway during the regular season series at the end of the year, does the math actually work with the Verlander trade? And then just talking about the, the, the player value, you know, just simply what you're giving up, the future value for the current value. And and his answer, and, and uh, you know, I don't think – I could see somebody giving him – um, you know, pushback for saying this, but his answer is the math never really works in those kind of trades, and, right. and I get that because you know you're you are giving up future talent, but you do at a certain point, and and I think there were people around Luno, um, Jim Crane, AJ Hinch, and 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 the clubhouse team and the players, Keiko Reddick, you know, p- kind of pushing for that ex to kind of the quote unquote get over the hump, and you know if there's a drawback to the Astros process oriented. Uh, method it's that it is so process oriented it's at a trade deadline you become a little bit um rigid inflexible you know and 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 kind of that dealer dave nickname for dave dombrowski there there is some element of payoff for taking risks and it's it's about the calculation of risks and i and i think the answers would calculate those risks more soundly than the red sox but but you, you can hamper yourself if uh, you don't take those risks at a certain point. So it it was very important for the Astros to go out and get Justin Verlander. And uh, I, I can understand an Astros fan, Astros fan and Astros player frustration that it did not happen sooner. Because uh, I, I mean, in my coverage of the team, it, you know, I, again, I felt like going into the 2016 season, that was the obvious thing they needed was another uh, elite type of pitcher. Yeah, and it almost looked like uh, Chris Sale could have been that guy that uh, the Astros brought in a few years ago, but obviously they didn't get the deal done, and he ends up in Boston. But I'm going to put you on the spot here. If you're making a prediction for the series, uh, what is your outcome? 
No, I'm not on the spot with this one because I've, I've been so um, <laughs> been so firm in this. I, the Astros should win this series. There, there's just a, a short series. We know anything can happen. An 83-win Cardinals team in 2006 won the World Series. So the Red Sox have a chance, and the pricing, the bullpen's interesting, I, but, but the offense for the Red Sox is uh, you know, miles away from the Astros' offense, and people love to hang their hat on pitching and defense, but you know what? You look back at last year's World Series, you look, at, look back at the 2015 Royals, they hit. They hit a ton. And I, I think the fact that the Astros not only hit but don't really strike out a bunch, they should win this series. Will they? I don't know, but they should. I think that's encouraging here for uh, Houstonians. I, I I don't I don't think they want to be let down after the uh, you know the kind of the disaster in Game Five or Game Four of the uh, the 2015 uh, game against the uh, the Kansas City Royals. But uh, Evan, it's always great to have you on the podcast. And uh, you know, since we last spoke uh, last spring, you're kind of in a different role now. You are uh, more, I guess, on TV now. I guess if you can just uh, kind of tell our listeners, uh, you know, what kind of coverage they can expect from you uh, throughout the ALDS and kind of where they can find you. Yeah, well, I work for NBC Sports Boston, which used to be CSN New England, and those in Houston remember CSN Houston. So I'm basically working for the Boston version of CSN Houston, but I'm writing. I'm still doing a similar job as Jay Kaplan at the Chronicle and you know, Brian McTaggart, and it's still a beat writer's job with television functions. So you know, I'll be out there at all the press conferences at the games and uh, kind of doing 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 the newspaper thing just with a little uh, on camera stuff after that. Perfect. Well, uh, you can also follow Evan on Twitter at Evan Drolick and uh, Evan, we definitely appreciate it and uh, enjoy the time here in Houston. Thanks, Austin. I appreciate it. You're listening to the Weekly Brew. It's playoff baseball time here in Houston, Texas, and I, I think we've brought together uh, two of the greatest baseball minds in the city of Houston, Jeremy here in and studio. Derek. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely not Jeremy Paxton, but Jeremy is here in the studio. Sorry, Jeremy. But uh, we've got Hunter Atkins, Derek Fogel, not related to Jared Fogel. Thank you. Those two kinds. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. <laughs> to hold on. Finally hold on. stop they defaming were, me. On. They were born on the same day. They share the same last name. It's a different last name, but thank you. They share the same last name. I'm sorry. What's your last name, Derek? It's, it's Fogel. And then what's Jared's last spelled name? It's Fogel. And they were born on the same day. I hate that you. That sounds like they're related to me. I hate you. So you're, you're, postseason you're, play has begun. I'm never coming it's back. It's the play-in <laughs> game right now on television behind us, the Yankees and the Twins. 4-4, bottom of the third. But and that's not what we're here for. I know. I just wanted to. But thanks for timestamping the podcast. <laughs> What? What? It's a, what do they think? We recorded it three seconds before they listened? But they're going to know exactly <laughs> what time. because. They oh, my just God. Go look. How dare these guys talk a night, be- <laughs> two nights before the Astros play? Yeah, I right, suppose. So, so let's talk about that. The Astros uh, play the Red Sox this Thursday at Minute Maid Park. Uh, Justin Verlander gets the ball against Chris Sale on Thursday. Uh, Chris Sale, 5-1 and one against the Astros. Granted, most of those starts, if not all of those starts, have come as a member of the Chicago White Sox. You've got Justin Verlander, Mr. Kate Upton, if you will, starting the game. Uh, I'm going to be there. If we will? What is... <laughs> Is that what he's known in your? Wait, is that what he's known in your world as, yes. Mr. Kate Upton? Yes, it's good for so the Rockets. So he's texted all of us about this several times, hey, like hey, consecutive it, days. It's hey guys, good for the Rockets. It's good for the Rockets. <laughs> it's good for the Rockets. Yeah, something about you is rocketing right now. Talking about it, <laughs> six to twelve. <laughs> I feel like we're gonna have to cut that part out. <laughs> no, no, definitely no, not. Now we're leaving it. No, this is awkward. Just like the subway part, leave that in. <laughs> Great. <laughs> this podcast is going well. 
All right, so uh, the start Thursday, it's it's a day game here in Houston. I think a lot of uh, Houstonians were a little bit disappointed that it wasn't a night game. Of course, you've got day games both Thursday and Friday. Uh, I'm I'm curious uh, fr- from both of your perspectives. Uh, the Astros haven't faced Sale this year. They looked good in Boston this past weekend, taking three of four. But at the same time. Uh, there wasn't a lot at stake. Uh, it looked like the Astros weren't showing all of their cards, especially Saturday and Sunday in the series. Uh, Derek, I'm going to start with you. What do you make of this series? Are the Astros as big of a favorites as it looks on paper? Or do you think Chris Sale is going to kind of be that X factor? Should we preface everything we say with the fact that anything can happen because it's October? So let's just get that out of the way. So now we don't have to say that every single time after every single thing we say, right? So, uh, yeah, I think wait, it's but be can, much wait, Derek, can anything happen in October? Anything can, Hunter. Anything can. So here's the crazy thing about Chris Sale and uh, how many strikeouts did he have this season? A ton, three hundred oh, plus. Yeah, over three hundred. He was he was one of the first what first one to do that in how many years? Yeah, I, I don't know. Oh, 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 since Pedro. we knew anything about the Red Sox game notes, I think since Pedro. But either way. Um, yeah, this is going to be a much more even series in my mind. You're going to have to face Chris Sale twice, the way, the way I see it. This is going five games. I don't see a sweep coming from either oh, side. Of course not. Um, but with Sale, like if I look specifically how he pitches against, like just in my mind against any Astros player, like there are very few that I think have a really good shot against him. I think Correa actually matches up well because Sale can elevate and Correa's tall enough, he still has the lever to, to beat him. But when you look further down the lineup with guys that have been good for the Astros, like Yuli Gurriel, uh, Alex Bregman, like I don't think they have a shot. Gurriel is too long. Bregman's going to get tied up or break his thumbs. So what about, <laughs> what, what about Gaddis? Gaddis is a guy that likes, at least when I watch games, it looks like he likes those elevated fastballs. The is, funny is, thing is he does well with the low ball too. But I don't think his hands are fast enough. He's kind of he has that ogre oaf look. I know, but there's times where I think he can get beat really badly um, on those emergency hack like outer half fastballs, and that's that's what Sale does. He he's gonna stay away from you. He can elevate that fastball, and it runs up mid upper nineties, and then or he can come right in at you. And as a right-handed hitter, I'm speaking. And then if those two aren't working, the, the back foot slider, the slider down, the back door slider, like he's, I mean, he's striking out people left and right. So there's just a lot more pressure, I'd say, on guys like Altuve and Correa to carry the load because just looking at it, and I know this is totally speculation, but the way he matches up against the Astros lineup, especially the bottom half, it doesn't look good. To oh, me, right. Just in my mind. So, so what about Verlander? I mean, Verlander's a guy who's faced Boston several times. Uh, you know, when he was a member of the Tigers organization, he did not take his weekend start, which I think is obviously a good thing. Uh, but you look at his career batting average against a current starting lineup from uh, the Red Sox, and it's at 211 on base percentage at 270. So those aren't necessarily great numbers. How, how does... So if you're expecting both Sale and Verlander to get, you know, their seven-plus innings, maybe allow one run, I mean, what is the difference in this game? Does it go down in the bullpen? Well, here's the thing about any starter from here on out is it's this odd you, – you have – it's not balanced. It's either he's going the entire game because he's absolutely lights out or we're going to have to keep a really short leash on him because pitch counts matter now. 
And I know Verlander can run his up quite a bit, but pitch counts matter. You don't want to leave him in there too long because he's probably going to have to pitch again, especially in a series like this. I'd expect it to go five games. Uh, I don't see the Astros that heavily favored. Boston is just a perpetual October team for the last 15 years. How much does that actually matter? Because, I mean, I hear that narrative a lot that the Astros don't have playoff experience. Granted, their only playoff experience is 2015. Uh, The Red Sox are there year in and year out. I mean, how much does that actually matter when it comes to postseason baseball? You tell me. Look at a step-back franchise like the Washington Nationals. They've never won a postseason series, right? So suddenly that matters when they've been pretty strong this season, but they're going in against the Cubs who have the mojo going after what happened last year. So it's hard to take anything that happened – the entire season because everything changes for one month, oddly enough. So I don't know. I, I take some value to it, but then you do realize that the Red Sox are fairly young. There is somewhat of an idea that they're playing with house money like the Astros were for a few years ago when they, their guys were relatively fresh, um, you know, with Ben and Betts and Bogarts. They're still young enough to where you think that you have an advantage over them in October. And the Astros certainly have the experience in the postseason now. But I don't know, man. There's there's something about the Red Sox in October, just like there is Eli Manning in the playoffs, right? <laughs> like everyone's upset with Eli Manning right now. But come playoff time, if the Giants have a shot, then they're going to have a chance. I think that's specifically against Tom Brady. Yeah, even that, right? So He took him from a wild card team to the Super Bowl a couple times. So, like, it, all right, I'm for not some sure. reason, playoffs have a no, different I got, vibe. I got it. I want to... Sorry. Go ahead. Okay. So, we've established that these are two very good pitchers. No, no one's going to argue that, though. Right? It's, it's, but you think it's going to go five simply because of Chris Sale. Like the, We've got and, the whole other rest of the team. And on Chris Sale specifically, his last eight games as a Red Sox, he's three and four. His ERA is 4.30. How is that to me? I mean, it looks like he's trending kind of southward as you head into the postseason when you need your pitchers the most. The Astros aren't as good against left-handers. But, but Fake also, news. But also, look at Justin Verlander. His last five <laughs> games, he's 5-0 and with an ERA at 1.06. I, I mean, do, do you still give Chris Sale the edge because he's a lefty and the Astros struggle against lefties? Yeah, I do. I, <laughs> I look for X-factor impact guys, guys that no, are I, not the same, like... You have all right. Well, hold on, though. But, but still, no one is no one is going to disagree right. with that. Let's move on from Chris Sale. I get it. Chris, He's very good. He's right. going to win the Cy Young. Great. Next point, no, Derek. Corey Kluber is going to win the Cy Young. What is that? Or Kluber? Kluber. Fine, fine, yeah, fine. Whatever. My, my point is, is just that he's an excellent pitcher. Really, he's an excellent pitcher. We we have the rest of the teams to talk about. Okay. Right. Right. The the Red Sox don't have a hitter hitting over two ninety. Right. Right. And. Um, they have. No, they also have no power. Like, it's not just that they don't have. They're not hitting for average. They are not hitting for power. The Astros have been resilient. Carlos Correa has been extraordinary. Those last what was it ten games. Yeah, and that's he a, looks restored. That's when, when, something because the last time you were on the podcast, we were talking about how Carlos Correa was struggling. How his first two weeks back from the Sable list, he hadn't sort of gotten to that. No, next he hadn't level. figured out his time. Right, and now it looks like. He, I mean, he was. He's, he's the, the reigning AL. No, he's locked. He's in. the reigning AL Player of the Week. I mean, it looks like he's starting to peak at the right time. I mean, do you guys weigh any of that into the playoff factor, or, or do you completely differentiate? The last week of the postseason or or regular season just, compared to the first just week of the him postseason. specifically, it's an enormously positive sign. Absolutely, I agree. So you know, I, it's not. 
It doesn't tra- you know, the last the, that last week where both teams are not fighting for anything, it doesn't mean much. But just in terms of timing the pitches, he's locked in, which is great. Um, and you just, you have to think of right. Managers talk about how you have to think of the lineup in tandem, right? It's about how these players are playing well together. The stringing of hits that the Astros have done during that period in which Carlos Correa was hitting well, right? They they ended up what was it four consecutive games with 10 or more runs, correct? Yeah, they scored 49 runs over four games. And they were the first team in history to yeah. ever have four yeah. consecutive. So that's not insignificant. I, it's not like they're going to score four consecutive. They're not going to have four consecutive games of 10-plus runs against the Red Sox. I fine. Th- as, as an Astros fan, I want them to. <laughs> and Derek, you were speaking as a right-hander. I'm speaking as a husky white man. And, <laughs> well, I'm not uh, right-handed, but go ahead. A right-handed batter, remember? You were, right, saying, you were right. assuming the character of a right-handed batter. Right. I'm assuming the character of a husky white man. Okay. Obviously, I wouldn't know what that's like. So, <laughs> We have pictures to prove otherwise. <laughs> Austin, we've gone over the snap secrecy, okay? We took a blood oath. Fair enough, fair enough. Okay. I apologize. I just want to clarify, by the way, that I'm not discrediting Justin Verlander just because I'm pumping up Chris Sale. It's just that there's something of a matchup difference between... Verlander, who is obviously very good, but when I see him against the lineup, I'm not saying, well, that's a guy that's going to get everybody struck okay, out, which he, he still could. So let's assume hypothetically they lose game one. Fine. Okay. Drew Pomerantz in game two. Not over-impressed with. I was about to say, he's I mean, garbage. Up. And, then, up. and then game three, we were talking before we went on Porcello probably, right? It's either Porcello. They, already, they said they ruled out David Price, which is odd, because if you know that the Astros struggle with left-handed hitters, I don't care about Price's history in, in October. Clayton Kershaw had a bad history in October until last season, so you, know, you, you might as well put a left-hander in there that has a better chance. Can you, so, explain the, can you explain the lefty thing a little bit more, only because this statistically... They have several hitters who have high averages, have high batting averages, who have high OPS against left-handed pitchers. Marvin Gonzalez, I think, bats three twenty-two or something like that against lefties. Okay. In addition to him, uh, well, so you and Yuli has like reverse splits. He doesn't hit lefty as well, but Correa hits lefty as well. Gaddis hits lefty as well. Why is it that they have so, a losing record against left-handed pitchers? Right. Well, but hold on. The, so I, I only know this because I, I wrote about it during the season, and we. How you had to ask that question? No, no. Yeah, go to ahead. A, an unhappy AJ Hinch several times, and you, you're smirking right now because you know AJ happens to usually respond to my questions with questions. Oh, it's great. So anyway, <laughs> he fires right back at Hunter. <laughs> I'm not so good at that part of the job. You know, yeah. asking a manager like basically, why was it that you sucked tonight? You know, I'm trying to dress it up, and he just always yeah. puts me off. My what game. do you mean? Why did we suck? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, no, but those so so three of those losses came against James Paxton. Right, and <clears throat> excuse me, um, who's really good, by the way. That's my. That's what I am just trying to tell you, okay. which is that, <laughs> which is that you can't have this unilateral blanket statement that the Astros are bad against left-handed pitchers. Okay, if you look at right, they have a losing record against lefties. Those we I broke it down earlier in the season. The point is that if you look at those games closely, they're games that the bullpen blew. Yada yada yada. Like it's 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 not a great stat to capture the lineup's ability to hit left-handed pitching. Now. <sighs> That's in general for lefties. Granted, Sale is different. He's exceptional. I want to move off of him and onto the rest of the series and the rest of the pitching staff, Derek. The Red Sox do not have an impressive starting rotation. Why is it that you think these series could get extended to five games? So I, I want to jump in there real quick. One of the things that kind of surprises me, or one of the things that I don't like about the first round of the baseball playoffs is that it is just five games. Because I'm thinking about 
you know, back deflect. I just put a really good question on Derek. Right, right, right. But okay, take it, take it. Not me, you. Okay, take it from there, because it's purely based on the fact that the Red Sox know how to win in October. That's and you know what you hate it. Need cliche. You you are you are so good at analyzing everything, and now you're relying on a Tom Brady, Eli Manning scenario. Well, no. Also, if you look at what Porcello does, um, he's really similar. He's like a he's like he's a right-handed Keuchel, right? I mean, he won the Cy Young, obviously, and you know you could say in that prison that's a very different thing. I'm the, just I'm saying, no, okay. <laughs> be careful about that. Why do we have so, to go there every time? We have to go somewhere. Well, well, weird. you're well because your familiarity with your cousin's background and his legal trouble and his prison term. I don't. So have, all right, so you were saying the right-handed Keuchel. Mm-hmm. I don't have cousins in prison. Anywho, um, <laughs> yeah, Porcello is a right-handed. It's kind of wrong that you disowned Jared. Like he that. and he throws harder than Keuchel. He was so at your bar mitzvah. <laughs> I can't do this. <laughs> I can't do this. <laughs> Yankees up five to four. Bottom of the third. Timestamp. Right. Go on. I'll 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 edit that. What? <laughs> that was so funny. Oh, all right. Keep do going. people actually like that when they hear that? I don't. I think so. <laughs> I, think so. <laughs> I can't. You think we know what we're doing. I I doubt they. That was so funny. I doubt they do. And uh, it's my strength. It is your strength. <laughs> all, right, you all, right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Anyway, that. All right, so sorry. We're <laughs> Actually, you were asking me about pitching, um, but as the other guys in the rotation. But yeah, asking about other starters. I'm good with Porcello Pomerantz. I'm not so impressed with, but I'm good with Porcello. I'm even good with throwing Price out there. It's Porcello would be game three at at Fenway Park, right? And I say David Price. Why not? I don't really care about his history. He can figure it out one game or two, or in a singular yeah. month, and lead him the way. But also. It came up that the bullpen wasn't as strong. If you look at the top four guys that Boston used against the top four guys that Houston used, the Astros actually have a better bullpen when it comes to Harris, Davinsky, Giles. Now Musgrove. Did you put Musgrove in there? I think Musgrove was the other four. It might have been – yeah, it had to have been Musgrove against um, – I'm blanking on the, the the Red Sox guys right now. I got in a Twitter battle with this guy, and I because I I brought <laughs> up the win? fact because I, I saw that you got well, a lot of Twitter. Battles. Derek wins Twitter <laughs> battles. He doesn't even engage in. Here's the best part. Thank you, Hunter. Here's the best part is like he was throwing all these numbers and stats at me. Like I was comparing what a, what a jerk. Hey, oh no, using was, stats. No, it was perfect though because he was comparing. Well, I was bringing up Joe Kelly or Will Harris. Who would you rather? Mm. Joe Kelly, obviously a 100-plus guy with movement that has a been... A lot of experience, too. Yeah, with, he was with the Cardinals. He's, he's a really good pitcher. And he was saying how, well, his K per nine is only seven to Will Harris's 10. And I was like, never mind the fact that Harris <laughs> has like 15 less appearances. I wasn't going to get into the numbers because the fact of the matter is I wanted impact guys out of the bullpen. I want guys that throw 100 miles an hour plus. In October... In, in any pressure situation in baseball, the game speeds up. Mm. That's how it is. So if mm. you got a game speeding up, and then you put someone in there that speeds it up, mm. it gets harder to hit, right? Like, I know Severino, who's a fireballer, got knocked out in one inning for the Yankees, so this belittles my Not argument even a, a whole inning. One right? Out. Yeah. Exactly, one out. But the fact of the matter is, when you have guys coming out of the bullpen that are absolute thoroughbreds, that can change the pace of a game. When... Who is going to make you shake in your boots? Will Harris at ninety three or Joe Kelly at one hundred and three? If you're Joe going, he's not reaching one hundred three. But I, I he mean, is. if we're talking me personally, he probably is. both. It's absurd. Wait, he's but. not reaching one hundred three miles an hour. He's the most freak athlete I've ever seen in my life. He's <laughs> really? like a five eleven normal dude, and just <laughs> 
Save that sound effect. I was going to say, that's, 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 that's going to be Derek's intro draft. And he's got movement, too. That's I also, crazy. now that we, now we know how to get under your skin, just bring up a strikeout rate on Twitter. Or a Twitter battle. <laughs> yeah, and he wanted to throw all these numbers at me. I'm like, that's not the point. I'm looking at impact guys. Boston has guys like that. The Yankees, where, yes, they blew some late-inning games against the Astros in the regular season between Batantis and, and Chapman. And, oh, well, we can beat those guys. I don't care. Mm. In October, I want the guy that throws the absolute hardest. Yeah. What happened when Chapman ran out of gas at the end of the World Series last year? Oh, my year? God, you were fired up right now. He got hit. Right. He doesn't get hit when he's throwing 100-plus. When he's throwing 96, 97, he gets hit. So, so what does that mean? So, so bullpen-wise, it looks like you favor Boston. Right? I, purely so, on a couple guys so, that throw so, a little harder. So when you're looking at mm. kind of evaluating this series... What are the key metrics or measures that you use to kind of grade out who you favorite? Are you are you looking at you know sale? Are you penciling that as two wins? I mean, how how are you grading the series? That's what I look at is just X factors: the thoroughbreds out of the pens, the show ponies in the batter's <laughs> box. I know it sounds goofy, but that's really what no, it is. I love that. It's if just there was synonym after synonym for every cliche you could think. Of. Yeah, exactly. I like exactly. show ponies. <laughs> I like stage ponies. By the way, Jeremy is still here. I like Clyde. I am. I'm. Uh, I like Clyde's. I'm on. I'm on chat roulette right now, furiously pantomiming all of Derek's very intense emotions. <laughs> Watch out! That's how his cousin got caught. You know. <laughs> so, really? all right. What about chatterbait. Oh my god. All right. This is awful. No, it's good. What I was going to say about Will Harris, uh, just to piggyback of, uh, to put a pin in the point about Will Harris and the Astros bullpen is that Harris has also been very shaky, you know, since he got hurt earlier this year in uh, in uh, June or July, whatever. It was. No, that's to be noted. And July. The other yeah. thing that happens in October, especially with the bullpens, is that you find that there's only a handful of guys that are actually reliable. When anybody else comes in, all of a sudden you get very nervous. There's about three guys you go to. It tends to be your closer and two others, and then you overuse those guys. Cassius, let me ask the students. So when I, but when I think about the Astros and the guys they're going to overuse, I'm not overly confident in them, which is odd because they have the numbers to back it up, but they're not your thoroughbreds that come out of the pen. That's how it's been the whole year. Is If you look at they don't I mean, have guys the, on, the only guy throw The only guy that really gasses it up is Giles, and he has been inconsistent and, at best at times. Then you have, you know, of course, Martez, who's probably not... But let me clarify. Power arm right. is 97-plus consistently. Right. But to be fair, Musgrove has kind of increased his velocity a little bit since moving to the bullpen. He's looked very sharp out of the bullpen. Uh, I believe his velocity has been somewhere around 97, 98 as a, as a reliever. Do you factor him in as potentially that guy? And then also you've got Lance McCullers, who looks like he's probably going to uh, be a pitcher out of the bullpen. He's got that, you know, oh, so upper 90s pocket, pocket that point for, <laughs> for in a few bits. So, I mean, yeah. do you see potentially Musgrove being that guy who can come in and be reliable in the postseason? I mean, he's shown us the last four or five weeks that he can do that in the regular season, or, or is the postseason just a completely different animal? That's tough. I would say he could do it because you've had guys that have done that in the postseason. If you think to years past, and I'm blanking, I know Mark Burley did it for the White Sox when they won the World Series. He started and then also came out of the bullpen. Um, not I don't throwing, see why Musgrove not, not throwing 98 miles an hour. No, absolutely not throwing 84 miles an hour. But it's different when you're a lefty. <sighs> yeah, it's no, David. David Price closed for the uh, Rays. Right. That was also his first. What was his, his rookie and, season? Anyway. Austin's Austin's bigger point is that um, if this is about thoroughbreds and Clydesdales and stallions, and the Astros have that when it comes to the batter's box between Altuve and Correa, and also I would uh, I don't know 
You could throw a bone to a couple of their guys. <laughs> I don't. Man, I do realize, I do realize you were very picky, very selective about you know the sort of elitism that apparently is required to win these series. We this is that's not so true, right? You they're, have a no-name guy that steps up, no doubt, uh, but. Right. I, I I'm not I um I feel <laughs> it's a, it's just a, it's a distracting point you're making. Why is that? Why is it that it doesn't matter that Drew Pomerantz is not good at baseball? The focus that, is on these thoroughbreds. Okay, the, everything is amplified in the postseason, and it usually comes down to those guys. If they can get on base, if guys can drive. No, well, but it also comes. But it also comes down. I don't, to, I don't know. I think on. it comes down there, to the bullpen because we I was just at, about, I was just about to say. Can we can we also talk about how. The uh, the Astros don't have answers to left-handed hitters. Yeah, <laughs> that's a huge problem. It is. I mean, Liriano is your guy, and and don't get me wrong, there are guys that do throw hard. And Liriano's had a good. Pen, he's had right? a good September. Martez, I don't know what you want to do with Martez because there's two sides he's not, of him. Stop. He's get. not. He's not going to be in the roster. Yeah. So you move on. He's him. not consistent enough to to make it. So I don't. No, know. your lefty. The options to get good left-handed hitters out are going to be Liriano and Davinsky. Which, no. by the way, a Twitter Davinsky. troll came at me saying that he saw Davinsky hit 97. And I go, what, in the All-Star game where they pump up the radar gun two miles an hour? This is what hour? the Twitter troll <laughs> wants from you. You're giving them exactly Oh, no, it's, it's great, though. I love it because they I think... I mean, I would suggest that they listen they, to They just podcasts, assume that they, they just did. know Definitely so don't. much. I love it. You they, are assuming you know so much, Dan. Because I do. I played for longer than all of these Twitter <laughs> <Mike> trolls. <dropped. laughs> that's why I like to hear. It's the internet, Derek. Everyone knows everything. That's the worst part about the internet, isn't it? You can find an expert for everything in any corner of wanna, everyone's wanna, butthole. Austin, <laughs> yeah. since, since you are the biggest and maybe only Astros fan in this apartment right now, Sorry, is it still the We Dessert Studio? No. No, no okay. In this, okay to, to be fair, we, we have a slight audience here in the studio right now. We have at least a few Astros fans in here. <laughs> a few? Including Bo, let's be honest. I, I would say we've got Alvin. He's an Astros fan. He's a mute. He is. Fair enough. Jeremy is a uh, an Astros fans when they play the Yankees. Jeremy does not like sports. I've gone over this. Yeah. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Strong statements. Sports that involve bats and balls and, and politics. Sort of I got you. No, that's he, that's he, the sport he, you live. He for. is just a, uh, no, a, a a Trump guy, Breitbart guy. Well, it's whoa. the most savage sport of all. Okay. That's a fair point. Excuse me, Austin. All right, fake news. So no, my point. My point is, I was going to say as a no, as the, as the most passionate uh, Astros fan here, um, what would be a satisfying kind of like floor for this postseason for you. Meaning, let's say they lose in five games. Are you going to be extremely disappointed with, with the outcome of the season? Let's say they get to the ALCS and they lose to a team that has been so darn good the second half, the Cleveland Indians. Yeah. Are you going to be really disappointed? I, mean, I, mean, that, and so that, I don't it, just mean that they lost, but the idea yeah. that this team seemed to have had such a tremendous potential, right? Like, what are you going to be satisfied with as a fan? I'm not going to be satisfied if they do not get out of the first round of the playoffs. Okay. I, I think they have to get past the Red Sox. I think my expectation for them is I think they, they have the talent, at least on paper, to win the American League. Do I think they're going to win the American League? No. I think I think Cleveland wins the American League. I, I want to see them in, in, a, in a postseason series against the Indians at least make it to six games. If you can if you can lose 4-2, I think that's to me a success. You bring everyone back next year, you get Verlander back next year. Uh, maybe that gives you home field advantage in the postseason. Maybe you can uh, deal a guy like, I don't know, McCullers for example, deal deal a guy like McCullers, get a uh, get an actual wow. starting pitcher who can last for the Trace, entire season. Uh, 
You could get so much. Yeah, I mean, he's young. He's got an arm. He he hasn't shown that he can go an entire year, but I think his trade value is pretty high. That's couch, that, couch that yeah, for... But, okay, so I think for me, a success is to make a run in the ALCS. Okay. You don't have to win it. Anything on top of that's fine with me. I should clarify again. I said this series will go five. I think Astros We're talking about horses. <laughs> that's right. Clydesdales. Secretariat. No, I do Barbaro. think it's Astros and five, but I agree with you. I don't think they get past the Indians. Yeah, I think the Indians right now have just been playing such a great brand of baseball. They've got an amazing lineup. Of course, Kluber, we saw what he did last year in the postseason. He's a, he's a horse. You, ta- you talked about <laughs> thoroughbreds. I mean, he's a guy who, who just ran out here. of gas, uh, you know, against the, the Cubs in, in, you know, game seven. Um, I don't know. I, I, they're healthy this year. That was something that was kind of a concern to them last season. They didn't have a they starting have Salazar rotation. now. They didn't have a starting rotation last year, and they yeah. still and made the Astros played like garbage against them right. this whole season. Right. What were they one in five against the Indians this year? Something like that. Either one in five gr- or two or two. Yeah. Four. Granted, a few of them were one run games. They just looked terrible. Yeah. Yeah. It was the first. Uh, Series that they lost this year during that during that during really the peak well, they, of the Astros. I mean, honestly, season. they struggled against the entire AL Central this entire season. I mean, mm. they got swept on the road against the, the, White Sox. the White Sox. Yeah, right. whatever. Past the past, awesome. Looking at the future. Yeah, it's October. All right, so if we're making <laughs> if, if we're making predictions, uh, I don't want to stick just with the Astros, but uh, I'm going to go around the horn real quick. Uh, Hunter, what is who is your X factor in the series? <laughs> Who's 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 the horse that I'm riding? Who is the, who is the difference maker? Who is the thoroughbred? Is it a dark horse? Who is yeah the dark horse? Who is the thoroughbred? And uh, what is your prediction series? Correa. I was so. Um, this is now the sort of the, the the inverse point that I had made a few weeks ago when I was on, which is that they really really need him to be excellent in that spot in the lineup from the four hole. Right. Um, not only is he just such a great individual hitter. But I think he's a key cog. He and and if if I think beneath that, Gaddis is huge too. At yeah, yeah. at like at stringing together the front half of the lineup with the you know the back half of the lineup. That those guys seem to be. I I do not. I'm not looking at stats. I don't. It's sort of anecdotal. But those guys seem to connect. Um, they, they 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 get a rally going because they're so good at um, you know getting hits going from the top of the lineup through to the bottom of the lineup. They're so good with men on base. The two of those guys. So, but having Correa, having his timing back is so obvious. And uh, he's, he's, he's my horse. I'm riding him. Derek, what about you? You're not going to like mine. It's boring. It's Altuve. But <laughs> MVP. Yeah, it's because... We, we uh, actually asked about a horse, not a pony. Right. It's, what's a good name for a horse named Altuve? A horse named Altuve. Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> they have Olé. Great, yeah, they have great names, though. What the, um, who won... Yeah, the, I would say the triple crown. Lame pick. That's your horse tonight, Derek. Lame pick. Lame pick. You talking about American Pharaoh? Yes. Like what is it? It, didn't spell it, it can incorrectly. mean anything. American Pharaoh can mean. And this is not for the podcast. All right. So, <laughs> so Altuve. So Altuve. Uh, why is he your horse? Oh, why because, is he your X factor? So Altuve as my X factor because um, when he gets on the base pass. He can wreak some havoc, and that matters in the postseason. I tweeted this out a few weeks ago. Colin McHugh does a really good job in keeping runners in check on the base pass, and that matters in October because guys will run. And if you can get guys in scoring position, those little bloop singles, those little hits, those, you know, excuse me's, those can drive in runs. And we always know that runs come at a premium. So if you can get to second base, 
Like that puts the pressure on, honestly, what, George Springer? He's gotten a few. Reddick's gotten a few. Correa can. Um, but Altuve. You think but that Altuve, just... specifically, since he's on base the most, um, if he can get on, I mean, he can get all the way to third. So at the same time, I want to ask you, because you, you talk about giving a run to second base you, I love that we skipped Jeremy. Yeah, no, no, we're going to get there. Sorry, we're going to get, get there. But you, you talked about giving a runner to second base, moving him over, how important that is and critical in a game. Astros, defensively, have catchers with Gaddis and McCann. And right. They and cannot look at the Red throw Sox. out runners. Look at the Red Sox. Right. Astros, what, 87%, I think it is, of runners that steal against them are safe. I think it's like 60% for the and Red Sox. Look who the Red Sox have. They have Jackie Bradley right. Jr., Mookie right. Betts, Sander Bogarts, Dustin Pedroia will run on you. They will get guys in scoring position, and then they don't do anything special, right? McCann's, They're McCann's. Not- McCann's percentage of runners thrown out is 12. He's thrown out 12%. Right, and we talked about that on Twitter, actually, the other day, how you don't value him defensively, but I do just because he's so smart. what he can do plate. offensively? He knows. Yeah. Well, he can do a little bit, obviously, McCannon balls and all that offensively, but McCannon Sorry. Uh, that's a great Jeff name Blum. for a McCannon ball. Yeah, that's <laughs> Jeff Blum. That's Blummer. That was great. I love when he does that. But, um, no, he calls such a smart game. He's caught guys like Tom Glavin and... Did he get Smoltz? I mean, probably he would have had Smoltz, but he would have no. He would have had. He probably would have had Smoltz and not Glavin. No, we know he had Glavin. All right, so then he definitely had Smoltz. Smoltz yeah. pitched for the Braves longer. Okay. Um, yeah. So he just what, has what do you a say lot that of he, he pitches a good game for the layman out there. What what makes him so much better than other catchers that calling a good game? You've you've brought up to me about and use use Gaddis as a contrast. Okay. When McCann puts something down, it's. We're throwing this. This is the right thing to do. Trust me. When Gaddis puts something down, it's more like, do you want to throw this? Like, it's, it's more of the pitcher's choice, it would appear. How do you know that? Yeah, I was going to say, how do you... You can, you can feel it. You, like, there's certain times... Do you feel him in the air tonight? Or? Yeah, Phil Collins. Um, there's... Look at how many times the pitchers shake off Gaddis compared to McCann. But you can just tell the authority that he has behind the dish. Like there might be more of a conversation between Verlander and McCann because those are two very experienced guys. But when it comes to McCullers and McCann, if McCullers shakes McCann off and McCullers is wrong, you bet that Brian's going out there and saying, hey, never do that again. Mm. So mm. There's, there's that veteran loyalty that you have to a catcher. Well, Gaddis has been around long enough, but his, it, it's also his style, too, to be more... Um, to give more of the reins to a pitcher and let them pitch to their strengths more, whereas McCann relies on his knowledge and scouting reports and knowing a way to cross a guy up. So that is the value that he brings, and I don't know how right, else, so how else to... I don't know how to... So, so, so it's calling, say your other X factor, apparently? Sounds like it's well, Brian I just McCann. I don't know how to prove, like, how you can look for that. It's... Um, no, it's fine. I, I, I just wanted to... to it's hard well, to look for if you don't understand how to exploit a hitter. So you're saying defensively, there's there's more to the catching position than just throwing guys out, right? But right. no, that matters. <laughs> that matters. But and he's there, the not reason great. why I brought we had brought it up is because you were focusing on speed. So right, like, and I had I had just said that I liked him defensively without knowing that he doesn't throw out that many runners, and that 12%. hurts. percent. Yeah. His rate is 12 And that hurts, no that, doubt. That, that's but why you're I, probably going to have a third guy on the roster in, in Centeno who But you're not going to bring in Centeno but you to can replace bring him in, McCann. Well, late in the game. No. Late in the game. I but also, no, because the whole point that... Also, don't forget that it's also on the pitchers to hold runners closer, and nobody holds them that close other than Colin McHugh. Right, that was the original point. Right. Who's your X-Factor, Austin? 
I think for me, it's got to be Dallas Keuchel. I think uh, Dallas Keuchel has looked good at times in the second half, you know, since he's come off the uh, the disabled list. I think sometimes he's looked atrocious. I mean, you look at that game against Chicago where he was just hit. I think he gave a, what, eight, nine hits, something like that. I think if the Astros want to win the series, I, I honestly think that Sale and Verlander, it, it's going to be a split. I think it's 1-1. One, one. That, that's, that's my thought behind it. I think Peacock has pitched well. He's shown that he can pitch well, especially against Boston on the road. Nobody talks about this guy. So I, I, I think Peacock, Peacock has been excellent this year. Peacock, to me, I think is one of the most reliable factors on the Astros. I, I don't necessarily trust Keuchel, to be perfectly honest. I think if Keuchel can throw you a good game, too, that puts you in a great situation to win the series. Uh, what about Morton? Morton was solid. But, but here's the deal. Morton... Nice, he, nice, nice number four to have. He, yeah. He's he schedules number four, but will he even get there? I mean, con- considering if the Astros, if the Astros are down one, two, you're going to throw Verlander game four. Interesting. Yeah. And I'd probably, say, and probably so. the inverse is, and probably the, the same is, would be true for the Red Sox. Right. The value that Peacock has too, is that he can bounce from the starting rotation or to the bullpen as needed. Right. No problem. Right. Like no problem. Ooh, touch on, touch on that ability. Predict it for, for uh, your favorite. Lance McCullers. For McCullers. Oh, so, so for weeks, I think you very smartly, have been urging, you know, from afar. You, you know, he throws more curveballs than anybody else in the league. Right, because you hate what, the, what, you hate that he what pitches back. His comments after the game, after his start on Saturday, when he said that, uh, you know, that that he he was throwing well, but you know, he just he just got hit. I mean, what do you? What oh, do yeah, you that was that? funny to me. I was like, yeah, the results weren't there, but I threw it well. It's like, <laughs> well, yeah, you can feel good. I gave up four home runs, but I felt good. Like, what? Yeah, that shouldn't feel good. Right. I know that they got cashed in by the bullpen, but like you weren't feeling that good if you got knocked around. And how about his assumption after that when he was asked, of course, how would you feel if you pitched out of the bullpen? He's like, yeah, like David Price, right? And I'm thinking, you got a long way to to go to compare yourself with David Price. It's not so much him pitching backwards as much as I'd like to phrase it as not pitching off his fastball. He pitches off his curveball to make it. Pitching backwards is throwing breaking balls and fastball counts. So to be more efficient, let's just say he doesn't pitch off his fastball like every other starting pitcher does <laughs> in the league because he also doesn't have a cut fastball. He doesn't really have a sinker. He just has fastball, changeup, curveball. So if his changeup isn't working, then he has no variation of a fastball, which is the best way to get guys out, i.e. Dallas Keuchel. So is this going to work if he has to pitch out of the bullpen or not? Uh, yeah, that's a good question because he's has he ever done that? I was about to say. I, I mean, did, did he start his career like that, or was he always a starter? No, I he, thought he his, his first start. He was his first appearance as an Astro was, was a starter. That. Yeah. Okay. Well, then I would say you don't take a chance with that because you don't know what you're getting. It's kind of like bringing John Lester in out of the bullpen mm. in Game Seven of the World Series and pulling Kyle Hendricks. That was the dumbest thing I think Joe Madden has ever done in the history he of his managing Game career. Seven. Yes, absolutely. And he got bailed out by his own team. So yeah, I, I would not rely on Lance McCullers. But he at, kind at, of worked his same, way off of the the postseason at, roster, right. honestly. But at the same, I mean, I I think McHugh. Honestly, if, if I, I know that you have to leave McCullers on the roster because of his, his curveball and just the, the persona on that team, but McHugh, what, he's 17-0 and 0 in, in the last three years in September and October? McHugh is awesome because he is a guy that throws... And he's thrown out of the pen before. Throws five different pitches, variations of fastballs. McCullers is your show pony out of the bullpen, honestly. With that kind of wipeout breaking ball... And a fastball that he can run up to but you said the upper nineties. But you said it's it's unlikely he'll be able to, to right. be actually be able to do it. But you don't know if he can do that out of the bullpen specifically, and you don't know if he can do that consistently right now. 
So, so you want McHugh so instead of McCullough? I do. Because if you run into a problem where, let's say, which we've already seen in this postseason, where a starter has to bail within the first three innings, you can go straight to McHugh. You, you could go to Peacock. Those mm, guys are interchangeable. Right. right. So McHugh, by the way, although really has not pitched out of the bullpen. No, but he's... Two years ago he did. No. He's interchangeable. No, he has not. He has not. Stop. Two or three he years ago he has. No. Yeah, no. No, he has not pitched out of the bullpen since he was with Colorado. He could be that spot, quote, spot starter type that jumps in the, the first, second, third inning if something goes wrong. So he has inherent value. Can Lance McCullers do that? We don't know. Right, and that's the part that you don't like. Yeah, is that he's kind of a head case. Nobody will say that. I will. I don't mind. We've it. said it. No, we talked. And it's he's, not being he's, mean. No, he's, he, he's, yeah. he has a lot more maturing to do. Right, and that's a nice way to put that's it. That's fine because I mean his his stuff, which he hates hearing, and I mean we hate saying at this point too, is great. We know it's really good. Right. So it's just a matter of getting something to complement that. It does. You know, it's interesting. It does sound like the consensus, if there is one by this group, though, is that it's not going to be. Um, it's not going to be an easy series for either team. Right. It'll go likely to five games, but it all sounds like we're all picking the Astros. Yeah, I think, so. I yeah. think there's a little bit of jitters too for the Astros. I I think they look a lot like the Cubs of last year. Mm. Um, I do. I really do. That would and, mean that they look like they are going to win the World Series, right? But there's definitely when you're the best team in baseball for as long as they were, people remember that. There's a little bit of pressure on you. And they have a lot to play for, I know, after everything that's happened. Does the pressure actually impact them? Like, do you think they. Well, that's the thing. They're seasoned enough, right? They've been to the playoffs, they've done the play in. No, you're making the opposite point of all They 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 haven't won a series. I mean, granted, they won the one wild card game against the. But but also, your point is that, well, they're too young to even know any better, so they're just going to have fun. Your point is actually, despite the number that their age is, they're not playing with house money anymore. The Cubs were two years ago, and then they realized they had to right. do it this year. That is this year. This is their second year of good Cubs baseball, if you will. Mm-hmm. I'm, that's the way I'm comparing it because I'm a Cubs I fan. I don't, I don't think pressure is going to be. I don't think pressure is a problem for this. No, team. I just think there's some jitters, especially against the Red Sox team that knows how to handle themselves in I October. Don't, do, do, oh, all right, you keep in mind me. They, I don't know. Why do the St. Louis oh, Cardinals hold on, hold on. linger in October? Because they've been there for the better part of a decade. Well, not the past two years. No. But when they were around, right? I got yeah. nice yeah, no, that's, Somebody that's, was stepping up. Like, Still, that, I mean, we're all, this is all like in right, the ether so, and so, intangible. So, so really oh, yeah. quickly, I want to I wanna pivot to Jeremy. Jeremy, what is your <laughs> X factor in the series? Who do you think is going to win? <laughs> I think the giant microaggression is going to win the World Series. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm, I'm looking forward to all of the sanctimonious, pompous articles coming out of Deadspin and like-minded publications talking about how it's a national tragedy that the Cleveland Indians have won the World Series. <laughs> Hot take, but that doesn't give me your X factor in the Astros. <laughs> no, no, I, I was, I, I was so ready. You, you, you don't understand. I, I've been, <laughs> you were sitting for forty five minutes. Yeah, I've been, I've been sitting every last thirty minutes. I've fallen asleep a couple times. Um, no, I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing Altuve and Correa be the dynamic duo that they are. are those the only two guys that you can name? No, Astros? Dallas Keuchel and like one other dude. I think that's about it. That's <laughs> all you need to know. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. Altuve should get the MVP. By the way. That, that's just what some website told me. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So we appreciate the uh, the hot takes from Jeremy Pax. All right, but all but all of us are picking the Astros in the first I, round. Yeah, yeah, I think the Astros. Despite despite the jitters, uh, just 
be clear. You were picking the Astros in the first round. Yeah, I just I, I think it, it. I it'll it's be one. a great series, honestly. I do too. And I don't mean to, yeah. I see, too. that's a, I feel like I. I think it'll be very good. Although I do think that that the Astros are going to win. I would say explicitly because I think that the Red Sox hitting is not so impressive. Right. And the Astros pitching overall, what, including what, the bullpen, the is good are, enough. Red Sox are what last in home runs. And one of the things that most impressive to me, Astros first in home runs. I feel like Lots I bashed the Astros really hard. And I no, didn't mean I, to no, do that. no, no. I think what you're doing is is you are you're in a city right now that right, everyone's if you're, wearing like, uh, exactly. Goggles. I was about to say, I was right. about to say the zeitgeist is influencing everybody to think that the Astros are the best team that's ever played. Right? Or very Gaga. You know, you've you've had very yeah. good measured analysis of the team. Yeah, just don't but, sleep on them. That's don't sleep on the Red Sox. You mean? Yeah, on Pomerantz or Porcello. Pomerantz just because is not good. Why do you? Why, this guy's not good. There's a chance that he does something, oh, right? Barry Zito did it for the Giants against the Cardinals, and Barry Zito was trash all year. Uh, I know, but right. yeah. we established so, there's a, you, your first comment was that there's a yeah. chance that anything could happen. Right, so. and that's why I don't. I, I leave that in the cards, especially for a team like the Red Sox or the Cardinals, perpetual no, I, playoff teams. There's step-back teams like the Nationals that don't do it. Mm. Think about it. They've this never could, won a playoff This could be their series. year. Yeah, right. They, yeah, that's interesting. And there's teams that are the exact opposite. I just... I. Yeah, playoff baseball to me is so much fun to watch. It's October. Astros uh, start things off Thursday afternoon at 3 o'clock against the Boston Red Sox. I'll Justin be there. Verlander, Justin Verlander Derek, on the mound. There? I will be there. Derek will be there. Hunter will be there. I will be there. Uh, Where Jeremy will be nowhere. Jeremy will be, uh, I don't know, working. I don't know. Probably work. Yeah. <laughs> wow, what a loser. Yeah. Grind, grinding away, just being so happy at work. And By that, he means swiping game. through grinder. Probably. Yeah. Austin, <laughs> give us the outro. <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm excited to be there. I'm actually taking my dad to the game. Uh, it's, it's the first playoff game that we've gone to since uh, 2004 when uh, Jeff Kent hit a, uh, a walk-off three-run home run against the, uh, the Cardinals in Game 5 of the National League Championship Series. Ultimately, the Astros lost that series. But uh, By the way, the Astros have yet to win a World Series game. I, I realize that. Just throwing that out. Well, they've, only, they've only played it. But as sports, well, they've they played one series. I mean, as, they're due. Well, they've, they're, in the history of their franchise, they've only won one, two, th- they've only won three series, right. three postseason right. series, period. So it's not, it's, it's, it's well, not a as winning sports franchise. Illustrated predicted. That's Astros right. Astros are going to win the World Series in 2017. So uh, we'll see if that happens. I'm looking forward to going there Thursday. Uh, we hope that uh, you all enjoyed uh, this playoff preview. And uh, Hunter, let's hear it real quick. Quick, no, quick plugs. I have a lot of stuff coming out this week. The entire Houston Chronicle staff is basically all hands on deck for the Astros. And we have our preview issue that is going to be out Thursday before the game. I have a really cool profile of Chris Devensky, a side of him that nobody has seen, that nobody knows about, that is really cool. Um, I also, for, we have what we call our magazine, which is Texas Sports Nation. It's an insert in the newspaper that comes out once a week. I have a gigantic, super long oral history of Carlos Beltran's 2004 postseason tear. Super fun. That I had was some, amazing to watch in person. To, and I had the chance to talk to so many players. I, I think it was more than 15 people overall yeah. reliving it, including some very, very big names. Albert Pujols got to speak to about it. So I would love people to check that out. Yeah, um, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I mean, because that, really cool. that 2004 series, I mean, I remember him in that game five that I just mentioned about my dad. Uh, Beltran made a phenomenal catch out in center field. I think it was like the seventh or eighth inning when Brandon Backey was throwing like a one hitter. I mean, it just kept the game alive. Uh, but it, yeah, I mean, well, I, anybody I, will I be able to, to relive every to moment that. of it yeah. with uh, with this story. So, Derek, you're at Sports Radio 610. Are you guys going to talk 
any baseball this week, or is it all about the Texans? Probably not, but I'll be <laughs> tweeting. <laughs> I'll be tweeting about it. At Fogel said what? Because I during this series, I am going to be really paying attention. There's going to be two of us there. It's usually just one reporter, and there'll be two of us. So I will be able to write something more specific uh, about a guy, or you know, not just like your game wrap with typical stuff. I'm hoping to actually talk to somebody post game and and learn a little bit about. You know, an approach or a setup, why things happened. Talk to him a little more. Plus, yeah. you've got that promo code for Subway to give the fans. <laughs> absolutely, the absolutely not. Okay, absolutely not. That's the promo code for Subway, courtesy of the Fogel family. <laughs> you know, we better get a plug from them if this is the case. So, if you want to follow uh, all of the content, your cousin's uh, getting a plug right now in prison. <laughs> if you want to follow all the content, <laughs> not related. We we avoided the word footlong this entire time. I'm, I'm amazed. All right, so if you want to follow all Astros coverage this week, of course, follow Jake M. Kaplan on Twitter. Of course, you can follow Evan Drellick for uh, Red Sox coverage. Also, you can follow at Hunter Atkins 35 on uh, Twitter and, and uh, of course, at Fogel said what? I hate my job. <laughs> Guys, it's been great having you in the studio this week. Even Jeremy. Appreciate it. You've been listening to The Weekly Brew. 